So Hannah. Yes. <laughs> Let's get dangerous. I don't like the sound of this. I want to talk about statistics and analytics. Statistics. Statistics. Because I think it's honestly one of the most interesting aspects of us doing a podcast, for me personally, is looking at our analytics. Oh, you mean like our own stats? Yes. About our podcast? Our our own podcast titled Research Rank Repeat that we host, that we're doing right now. I mean, I would hope people would know what it's titled since they'd be listening to this when they heard this. Well, you would hope so, but... I just wanted to clarify for you, because I don't think you realized that's what I meant. No, I didn't. So anyway, <laughs> so anyways, I'm surprised at how much I love checking the statistics. Not for the numbers. I don't care about our total numbers of listens. I like knowing where people are listening and what people are listening to. And we get both of those statistics. So we know what states are getting listened to. We know what you're listening to. We're like Santa. We see you when you're sleeping, and we know when you're awake. We know everything. <laughs> and we know where you live. <laughs> just to clarify, we do not know where no. you live. It just tells us the state and the number, and that's it. But it's been really interesting, Hannah. We have a surprisingly large international audience who loves Lady Gaga, specifically Brazil. They're crazy for Gaga. They are. I think I checked and our episode about ranking Lady Gaga music is one-fourth of our listens is to that episode alone. Yeah, it's it's crazy how many more listens that one has. In some ways, I'm not surprised because I know how big of a fan base and how big of like an international fan base Lady Gaga has. Right. But also, like, it's just shocking how many people. And I don't know if it's the same people. Uh, yeah, I don't either. We released that episode in March, and we get listens to that episode almost every single day. It's usually, like, it shows us our most listened to episodes of the month. Yes. It's pretty much every single month the most listened to episode. Every single month since March. Yeah. There are two episodes that I would say we continue to get listens to past the original, like, time frame of when it was aired, because... Some episodes here and there, you'll get, like, be like, oh, someone listened to one of our Pixar episodes, or someone will listen to, you know, Step Up. But for some reason, it's specifically Lady Gaga, and then also ABC Family TV Pilots, but only the first part. It's very weird, and yeah. and I was trying to remember what TV shows we talked about. Pretty Little Liars? I, yeah, I'm trying to think of what shows... Obviously, it was Kyle XY. Oh, most definitely. I mean, Pretty Little Liars was, like, a big phenomenon. I guess Secret Life of the American Teenager, maybe? But it's not... Secret Life, like, people don't still talk about that much. I guess that's true. Pretty Little Liars, yes. You hear yeah. about it. But it, it is weird that that episode, I think, is our second most listened to episode. It is. And it's strange to still see, like, months after getting listens. Yeah, like, consistent listens. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think my other favorite interaction is for our CSI Miami episode, our tweet that we put out, a stuntman liked our tweet who had like worked on television shows like the superhero shows in movies as well. Didn't he work on Marvel movies? He was in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like I kind of freaked out a little bit. I was like, we have a somewhat, he has an IMBD page. Yeah. We had a somewhat famous person like our tweet. And one of our most random episodes, too. It was right. CSI Miami intros. It wasn't even, like, ranking episodes or characters or anything like that. Or stunt work. He must be a big Horatio Kane fan. <laughs> he must be. It's the only explanation. I said, baby, he was on CSI Miami. Yeah. And I couldn't find it on his IMD... 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 IMBD. IMDB. 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 International Movie Database. Yeah, IMDB. Yeah. On his page, I didn't see any references to CSI Miami. So I couldn't find a connection there. So we don't know. But it's always just interesting to see, especially early on when we would just get random countries, you'd text me and be like, someone from Denmark has listened or Australia. I mean, I still get excited when I see a new state or country. Me too. Our goal 
is we want to claim every single state, all 50 states. World domination. <laughs> US, US domination. domination. US domination. We're over halfway. I yeah. think the last time I checked, we probably had around 30 states. Mm-hmm. There's a huge chunk in the middle of the country. And if you're there, we need your help. Please. If help you, us, listeners. You're our only hope. If you live in Tornado Alley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, if you live in Tornado Alley, please. Or if you have friends who live in Tornado Alley, just tell them to listen to one episode. Yeah, they don't even have to, like, follow us or pay attention to us. Just, like, listen to one episode. You could pick the shortest one. Listen to our wedding songs episode. It's, like, 30 minutes long. You can even put it on mute. You could. (laughs) Just play it. (laughs) Just play it. Because, again, we don't care about the numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't care about the amount of views and listens we get. That's really, at least for me, that's really Mm -hmm. not important. Because we're not doing this for, like a job it's just for fun no i mean we never set out to become like a huge podcast that was never my goal no i just like to do it it's fun and it's fun to see new people come and listen that like a lot of these states and countries we don't personally know anyone from right because when we first started it was mostly just people we knew right and so we knew certain states because we knew people who lived in certain Mm -hmm. states and we knew they listened to it so we could be like okay so that's this person like Mm -hmm. or maybe it's this person kind of deal then when we started getting international it was like oh i think we have a country in every single continent continent with the exception of antarctica because they don't have like listens for antarctica which understandable but otherwise we've claimed every continent which is exciting (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna claim them all we're gonna gotta it's like pokemon gotta catch them all gotta catch all those listeners you gotta get them in a net <laughs> in a net i'm sorry i got oh, weird God. and some headphones oh. tie them up in a cord okay we need to stop just having all that data it's fun to analyze it is interesting it is that it is cheers cheers Say it, Hannah. Out loud. <laughs> Throw girl. I'm gonna want to do it. Say it again. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Say it, Hannah. Out loud. Vampire. Oh God. <laughs> what have we done, Hannah? What have we done to ourselves? When we started this podcast, our very first episode. We talked about your first podcast you ever did. We did. And for a reminder, in case you've forgotten, I did a podcast in middle school about Twilight New Moon, the book. Twilight series New Moon. Did you ever imagine you would do not one, but two podcast episodes about Twilight in your lifetime? No. No, I did not. But the opportunity... (laughs) The opportunity presented itself in the form of every single Twilight movie being added to Netflix. And I think either I or Tara, for those of you who've listened to our step up, Tara, (laughs) I'm not ready for this. Um, For those of you who have listened to our step up episode with our lovely guest, Tara, she, I think, suggested that we should do I think first the books or the movies. And then we were like, we can't do the books. So movies it is. And we went through and we watched all five Twilight Saga movies. I think before we get into the meat of this episode, because I think we're going to talk a lot about the bad (laughs) of Twilight. Can we just first say like how big it was? Just how big of like a cultural like phenomenon yeah this was everything i have never seen a book franchise other than harry potter but this was different this was like women all women all ages 
obsessed. The book, I'll just give you a stat already because I have it written down. The first book was number five on the New York Times bestseller list within a month of its release, and then quickly became the number one bestselling book of the year it was released. And the amount of money that both the book series and the movie series generated was extravagant. There were culture wars. Companies got on in on it. Team Jacob versus Team Edward. T-shirts, merchandising, hot topic, clothing lines, video games. It was excessive. Posters. Posters. Which, you know, hate to admit that I had a Team Jacob poster, but I did. I had a Twilight shirt oh. that I was embarrassed that I was I was given a Twilight shirt for Christmas one year, and I was so embarrassed that I only wore it in the house to bed, like as a pajama t-shirt, because I, I was not that level of obsessed. I could not wear it outside of the house or I would have been humiliated. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. Like, I think about... When the new movies would come out mm-hmm. and you would like, everyone would make plans to go see the midnight premieres or to go see it in theaters. It was insane. It was insane. There's a, a really good video essay by Lindsay Ellis. I don't know if you've ever seen any of her videos. I know the name. Yeah. So she did a video a few years ago about like Twilight and Stephanie Meyer and how Although it was this big cultural phenomenon, it was one of those things where you made fun of. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> society as a whole made fun of girls who liked the series, made fun of women who liked the series. It was like this, one of those things in media where it's like, why does every movie get to be catered to both genders when it's a man? But as soon as it's a woman that's the lead or that's, like, intended for it, it immediately becomes a girl movie or a chick flick or, like, women's stuff. And it's, like, we don't call action movies, like, men's movies. Like, it's just, they're movies. It's, like, superhero movies are superhero movies. And it's just, I kind of went on a tangent there. (laughs) That video kind of covers the the phenomenon and the, the cultural downfall and just the extravagance and extremes that followed it. I mean, there was an entire book series that started as Twilight fan fiction that would become Fifty Shades of Grey, which was another cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I watched a video a while back before we even decided to do Twilight about the most popular fan fiction topics, relationships, and for a long time, Twilight and like the Edward Jacob, Edward Bella, mm-hmm. or did I say Edward Jacob? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wish. Oh, I, I would love to see the that love triangle, essentially the love triangle, but the different pairings, right? And that was like a huge fan fiction topic for so long, and like you said, it literally became a new book movie series. Yeah, from Twilight. From Twilight, and I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> I have very mixed feelings. I do as well because it's it's like this generation of girls people like our age we grew up on this series that is so uh, mixed message and so (laughs) there's so many issues but also good things I don't know it's hard to figure out how to feel about that it's very very interesting because we were at the age when this was like for us right you know i read twilight when i was in seventh grade which would have been either 2006 or 2007 uh, i have a story about how i got into the series we can get into that in a little bit but there was a point in my life where this was my favorite book series i was obsessed i think i read new moon probably eight times there was a period of a couple years where i would just read and reread books and I reread like the first three books multiple times. But looking back as an adult, it's like there are things that I can see that had I either been raised differently or not been exposed to different lifestyles and different things, that could have been a really bad influence on me in a lot of ways. So I'm thankful that I had this experience, but also I can recognize that there are a lot of issues and we'll certainly get into them. 
So, um, Hannah, do you want me to start with my, like, how I got into this series, or would you like to start? I mean, I think it's fair to, for you to start because you essentially were the one who got me into it. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I was at a book fair, you know, a good old scholastic book fair in seventh grade in the library, and um, I had this friend, dear listener of our podcast, shout out to you, you know who you are, and she was like, hey, have you read Twilight? She's like, I read it, and it's really good, and it's like, she also was a big fan of, like, fantasy, like, young adult novels, you know, like, Hunger mm-hmm. Games, Harry Potter, Bartimaeus Trilogy, those those types of books, Max Ride, Maximum Ride, those things like that that I was obsessed with. And I was like, no, I've never read it. So I think I either got the book at the Scholastic Fair or I rented it from the library. I probably rented it from the library. Although I did own all four books, so I may have bought it. And I read it, and I don't remember how quickly I read it. I could read books in like a day when I was younger. So I probably read it exceptionally quish. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> the flubs are so bad today. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. I think it was too hot. It was like 100 degrees outside when I was out looking for shrubs. So I quickly got through it and was hooked, like immediately. And New Moon was out, so I immediately got New Moon, read New Moon. I think when I was in eighth grade, I didn't have to wait. So Eclipse must have just come out when I read Eclipse. And then I remember the summer before high school is when Breaking Dawn came out. And I pre-ordered the book. And I got it, I think at midnight, and I read it in like the span of a day. And I cannot tell you how quickly reading Breaking Dawn destroyed my love for the series. I finished that book and I went, that can't be it. That can't be how this series ends. And I don't think I I was ever able to reread a book after that. I think I tried to reread New Moon once and I just, I couldn't. It was like everything I loved about the series just, it was like I, quoting Eminem, snapped back to reality and was like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) You know, I'm a sophisticated 14 year old high school student. It's time. And yeah, that's my experience with the books. Would you like to give your experience with the books, and then we can talk about our experience with the movies? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily remember a lot. I just know after you would finish reading the books, I would get to read it. So, I mean, you read it quickly, like you said. I didn't read as quickly, but I could read a book pretty quickly. And I remember, I remember New Moon. I remember reading through that one really fast, because they Mm -hmm. were long books. I was reading, I was reading something about um, Stephanie Meyer when she was trying to shop the Twilight to, like, um, publishers. And it kind of got chosen as a fluke because normally young adult novels, you want to be, I think it was, like, between, like, 50 to 60,000 words and her, and Twilight was, like, a 100,000 plus mm-hmm. words. It was, like, several hundred pages. And so normally, you know, young adult books generally tend to be, like, less than 200 pages or around 200 pages. Mm-hmm. And I think Twilight was... Like 400? Right. 500 maybe? But yeah, I remember reading all of them. I, I was with you on Breaking Dawn. I remember just like kind of... It's like similar to Game of Thrones in a way. Yeah. Like when you just are invested in something and then to just not get the ending that feels right or feels deserved, it kind of throws the whole thing under the rug. That's a great parallel. It really does feel like Game of Thrones, where you had this thing that you were obsessed with. And yeah, there may have been some issues here and there, but you're willing to overlook it because on the whole, it's a very enjoyable, like, fun experience. And Mm -hmm. then this end comes along and just, like, kills it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like that, where Twilight, I mean, for a long time, it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. It's kind of had a little bit of a resurgence with it being added to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it certainly is never like gone, gone, like the way Game of Thrones is gone, where it's gone. There's nothing. You don't see anything for Game of Thrones anywhere. And it's only been like two or three years. Yeah. So it's interesting for the movies. I remember I went and saw Twilight in theaters. I was in, I must have been in maybe ninth grade. 
I went for a friend's birthday party and and I remember it was funny. I remember thinking it was funny. I didn't take it too seriously and mm-hmm. I never took any of the movies too seriously. I think every other movie beyond Twilight, me, you, and Tara, guest Tara, our cousin, all saw it together. Yeah, because they always came out around Thanksgiving. Yes. And we spent those couple years of Thanksgiving, we were always either at one or another's houses. Right. And so, yeah, we did. I did see the Breaking Dawn Part 2 in theaters twice. I think I saw New Moon twice and maybe Eclipse mm-hmm. twice. I for sure saw New Moon with my my childhood friend, Emma, mm-hmm. for sure, and maybe Eclipse. I can't believe out of all the movie franchises that I've seen more than once in theaters, Twilight is one of them. And I am a little embarrassed to admit that. I mean, though, but if you think about it, we were at the age they were targeting it for. Oh, most certainly. Right. Every single movie came out when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm the target audience, teenage girl ta- target audience. You right. Know? We didn't go to see them at midnight premieres. I don't think we were that obsessed. And also, we just saw the movies to see them kind right. of deal. See what was uh, interesting, right. terrible. Well, and I like to see, too, what kind of liberties they take from the books and what they choose to, to keep and leave out of it. Right. I think we should probably jump into the, I think so. to the franchise itself. So I have a little bit of background on, like, just a little general stuff about the book series, just okay. as a whole. And then we can move into Twilight. Sure. In case you're not aware, the Twilight Saga... Or is it the Twilight series or the Twilight Saga? I think it's a saga. The Twilight Saga movie series is based on a young adult vampire romance book series by author Stephanie Meyer. She says the idea of Twilight came to her in a dream a few years before that of a, like, torrid vampire romance. And then she expanded from there and started as, like, a little vignette and just kept growing and growing and growing until she had Twilight. I mentioned that she shopped it to publishers. It kind of got picked on a fluke and was published in 2005. The covers of Twilight, I honestly think are really iconic book covers where it's a black book with a white title and then in an image. For Twilight specifically, there's an apple, and Stephanie Meyer says that was to represent the forbidden fruit, which is like, you know, the human vampire romance. It's Mm -hmm. forbidden. And so New Moon is like this red dripping flower, Eclipse is this like red ribbon, and then Breaking Dawn's this like chess piece with like a chessboard. And I honestly think it's very like captivating. It's very simplistic, but I think it works. So... The book, when it was released, received lukewarm reviews. There are a few spin-off novels that were released along with the main four books. There is a little vignette about Bree, the vampire from Eclipse. There is Midnight Sun, which was Twilight told from Edward's perspective, which got leaked online. I remember reading <laughs> I remember reading the mm-hmm. leaks. Um And eventually was released later on. And there was also, I didn't know, in 2015, she released a novel called Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined, which was a retelling of Twilight with this character's gender swapped. So Edith, like Cullen, was a girl vampire and Beau, Swan, was like a a male human, which people seem to think was just a cash in. Which, I mean, I kind of have to agree with that. And that's what I have about the books. All right, Hannah, what do you have about series background? So this is just some general background about the franchise. Okay. As a whole, not a specific movie. Um, So there's five films ranging from 2008 to 2012. And they gross $3.4 billion worldwide. Yeah. Which is absolutely insane. A lot of money. Um, So I... I found a list of people who, at some point during the Twilight franchise, auditioned and did not get roles. You know, I didn't write anything down, okay. but I did notice a lot of things. Yes. So, Channing Tatum auditioned for the role of... I can't remember his name, but he was the guy at the beginning of Eclipse. It's Riley. Riley. Yes. Okay. 
Jennifer Lawrence had auditioned for Bella. Obviously, she didn't get it. She, if she would, she probably wouldn't have been able to do Hunger Games. Right, she wouldn't have been Katniss. They, they overlapped. Overlapped. Uh, Tom Felton from yes. Harry Potter. He auditioned for, um, I can't remember the character's name, but Dakota Fanning's brother. Oh, okay. I thought the one I was looking at made it implied that he auditioned for Riley. No, it was Chaney. the brother and yeah. they thought he looked too Alec. old. I think Alex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dave Franco, I believe he auditioned for Edward. Okay. Vanessa Hudgens auditioned for Bella. Yeah, she was also considered for the role of Leah, I think. Okay. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg, I did not get which role. Lucy Hale, I believe, was either Bella or Anna Kendrick's character. Okay. I could also see her being an Alice, too. And then Lily Collins as well auditioned. Gotcha. Um, So one thing I wanted to mention is pretty much all the movies have the... um, Quillute tribe? Quillette? That's how Quillette? I, that's how it sounded. Quillute? Quillute. Okay. The tribe who are portrayed by, like, Taylor Lautner and yes. Jacob and his characters. Um, it's a real tribe. Yes. And it's a very large part of the films. They received almost... I don't believe they received any sort of compensation from the films, from the books... And considering they were a large part of it, um, not great. Yikes. And also they kind of were a bit upset with the fact that a lot of their characters were kind of sexualized and, you know, and I know they were werewolves, so I know they didn't have clothes on, but like Jacob, like. Well, I know Taylor Lautner, who played Jacob, has said that he had a lot of issues, like Mm -hmm. body issues, because of the fact that his role was essentially just him being shirtless. Yeah. And I like, mean, I have more notes on him. Yeah. But just the fact that they felt like their tribe was being represented in that way. Yeah. So I did want to just mention, in case anybody is interested about the tribe itself, um, I did a little bit of research and they do have an organization that raises money for them to relocate their tribe and specifically their school for the children in the tribe. Okay. Because they're located on the Pacific Ocean. Right. They're very close to like a, a earthquake, a tsunami zone, and so they're trying to move further inland in case there ever is like a catastrophic flooding or earthquake or tsunami. Um, so they do have a tri- uh, organization called Move to Higher Ground. It's online in case anyone's interested in checking that out. But yes, I just thought that should be mentioned. Yeah, probably. no, I think that is very important because I know that is a recurring issue throughout a lot of history is both misrepresentation and also no representation. Yeah. So that's basically what I have on the franchise as a whole. Okay. So you have background on Twilight. I do. We are going to get into the first movie of the franchise, which is Twilight. It was released in 2008. It is rated PG-13 and has a runtime of two hours and one minute. So, a little bit of background. This movie is directed by Katherine Hardwick. She was brought on after they had some issues with the script. So, the original screenplay was very different from the source material. It changed a lot of aspects. Like, it was very, very different from the original book. Like, Bella was going to be the star athlete. And so, I think when Paramount... They had a shift within the company, like some production things changed and the movie subset became like its own thing. And so once that was done, Catherine Hardwick was brought on with Melissa Rosenberg, who wrote the screenplay for, I think, every single movie in the franchise. They did a lot of work together to create a uh, screenplay that was very faithful to the original novel. Stephanie Meyer was very involved in the production of Twilight especially, but the entire franchise, and she fought for some things that could not be changed. Like, she refused to let the vampires have fangs. She was like, it's very important that they do not have fangs. So Stephanie Meyer imagined Henry Cavill as Edward, initially. Ooh. But he was deemed too old to play the role when it was time to cast for the movie. Right. I'm trying to imagine a version of Twilight where he is Edward. 
and I can't see it. Yeah, that'd be weird. So he also was offered the part of Carlisle, but he turned it down. So Robert Patterson was not the first choice of the role of Edward, but he eventually was given the role. Um, there was a little bit of controversy over the fact that Kristen Stewart was 17 when they started filming the filming this movie, and the director was very like, look, you're working with an underage actress. You have to be very careful about how you go about these things. And what do you know? They ended up dating for years. How old was he? I don't know how old he was at the time. He was not 17. <laughs> I can tell you that. Let me see. 96. He was 22. 22. So he was 22 working with a 17-year-old, which... That happens a lot in Hollywood. Yeah. it It's not unusual for Hollywood. I don't think they started They didn't dating start dating until Eclipse. Till, yeah. So, a so few, she would have yeah. been... I mean, she would have been older. A though. few years on, still, you know, a little... If he, I've never heard anything about there being any inappropriate yeah. relationship between the two of them, but just interesting to know. The movie made $393 million in the box office. It was the most purchased DVD of 2009. It had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 49%, Metacritic 56 out of 100. I have now prepared a summary for Twilight. The Twilight Saga begins with the first of five entries, Twilight. Based on every teenage girl's book obsession in the late 2000s, we follow Bella, a bland, boring, uninteresting protagonist who begins her new life in Forks, Washington. She soon learns that things are not all that they seem when she meets Edward, a pouty, angsty, gaslighting vampire with a still-beating heart and eyes of gold cringe as you relive this dumpster fire that somehow manages to have great music i would like to just talk a little bit about the music supervisor of this franchise okay i was gonna say say what you want about the twilight series but the soundtrack was never bad that was one of the things we talked about every single time we watched one of these movies is how great the soundtrack mm -hmm. and sound design is. So the music supervisor of these movies and who chose the soundtrack for these films was, her name is Alexandra Patsavas or Patsavas. And so she has been in the television and film industry for years. She's worked on some really notable films and television shows, notably Mad Men, The O.C., Grey's Anatomy, Chuck, Gossip Girl, she did all the Twilight films, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Bridgerton, How to Get Away with Murder, and a lot of these shows that she's worked on are well known for their music soundtrack choices. I know specifically uh, Chuck is really well known for its soundtrack. Grey's Anatomy. The OC was really big. And Perks of Being a Wallflower does have a really good soundtrack yeah, as well. Yeah, so she's been involved with a lot of, a lot of shows and movies that are like specifically known for the music choices so i just like want to give respect to her because she carried this franchise mm -hmm. on her back so before i get into the bad when i watched twilight when i was younger kristen stewart as bella she was just so awkward and i remember people used to make fun of her for it now that i've watched it as someone who's older i find that it's almost like nice and relatable to have a character who's not like not what am i looking for like perfect like not, a, well not perfect your but, stereotypical high school student yeah but who yeah. has like some charisma and yeah. like some good i feel like it people probably could have related to her in feeling like that awkward like uncomfortable person so i would like to just say sorry to kristen stewart as me as a younger child feeling that she was like not a great yeah. actress i i think she gets a horrible rap mm -hmm. um like people always say that she's not a good actress and they usually always refer to the twilight series the problem is is she is acting how this character is written bella is this i think how it was described in a video i was watching is she is a stand-in for the the reader uh, mm -hmm. in this case the viewer is it's like she doesn't really have like a personality as i said in my summary she's pretty bland like like not interesting and kind of like this 
awkward girl and mm-hmm. that's how she's written and I think yeah it it's hard to watch it's cringy the acting is all over the place but that's how the role was written so she did what she was supposed to do like she acted the role now does that make the movie good no no it does not does not help that it was written that way but she was acting how it was written so I can't fault her on doing her job yeah I agree another thing Edward mentions that Sporks Washington is the wettest place oh sorry I was thinking of okay (laughs) it's um it's Forks let me go back I even wrote Sporks it's Forks (laughs) I know I was thinking of something else it's fine Edward mentions that Forks, Washington is the wettest place in the continental U.S. Yes. And I wanted to know if that was true. Okay. It is not true. Oh, what a liar. It is the third wettest place in the continental U.S. If you ain't first, you're last. First is Aberdeen Reservoir in Washington and Laurel Mountain, Oregon. So all in the Pacific. Right. Northwest. I just thought I should point that out that I was wrong. Okay. About many things. I think we should probably just get into this now that the relationship between Edward and Bella in both the books and the movies is at times very toxic and I think really unhealthy views towards one teenage romance but also just the relationships realistic relationships now I understand that this is a fantasy novel that this is not based in real life because, to my knowledge, vampires do not exist in the real world. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure of myself on that. And so I understand that because it's a fantasy novel, that doesn't necessarily mean that I should be looking at these relationships realistically. And I say that in in quotes, in air quotes. But I think it's hard for me as an adult to see some of the things that Edward does. There's a lot of gaslighting. There's a lot of just like gross like stalker behavior from Edward, especially in this movie. Like I feel protective of you and like follows her around places. And and I understand that our teenage romances can have these like really passionate, Mm -hmm. you know, like love and affection but there's a point where it crosses over into obsession and controlling and Mm -hmm. inappropriate and this series as a whole but specifically this book really sets a bad example especially for the target audience being young girls and I would like to say that when I was reading this I was not thinking these things Mm -mm. I was you know 12 or 13 probably 13 when I started reading this series and I did not have this perspective I didn't like Edward I liked Jacob team Jacob just want to make that clear right now but he also has problems as well analyzing this as an adult there are so many issues with these relationships and I just wanted to be upfront with that really quick that I really (laughs) have a lot of problems And it's really hard to not be upset and have a difficult time watching it because of that. I think when you're making any sort of creative thing, and I understand it's your, you're the person creating it. So ultimately you can do what you want with it. But when you're marketing it for teenage girls and teenage boys, any sort of adolescence group, I think you have to be really careful about the message you're putting out there I almost feel like there's a responsibility for a creator who knows they're targeting younger people to be careful with the message you're putting out there and we can get into that more when we get to Eclipse and Breaking Mm -hmm. Dawn because there's different aspects of the message we're sending to people that I would like to discuss because I have some (laughs) I don't want to say strong opinions but I have some opinions about that I would like to discuss yeah but I guess for now let's just say that a lot of this is very toxic Mm -hmm. and it's very creepy at times yeah and angsty and it can be hard to watch just knowing that 
someone could read this, you know, as a teenager, think that this is the way a relationship should be, be in an abusive relationship and not know it because Mm -hmm. this is their example of true love or, like, a loving, good relationship. Right. And it's, that's what's hard for me is to, to have that, to have that viewpoint for young women because it's, I mean, there's a huge problem with women not, either not realizing anything is wrong or not, you know, or thinking everything's fine, like, with domestic abuse and just not good relationships mm-hmm. so it's hard to to watch this and see that presented as a way that is unhealthy yeah because as 20 something year olds we can sit here now and kind of make fun of it and also like be like oh that's really messed up yes but like you said when we were younger you didn't really even realize and that's that's what's so dangerous is like especially our generation growing up on tv growing up on stuff like that was our examples yeah and so, and this, I'm not saying it was just Twilight. There were a lot no, of... No, it's... I mean, we talked about it with Pretty Little Liars. Right. It was Rampart with horrible relationships. Yeah. It wasn't just this, but this being as popular and mm-hmm. well-known and big as it was means that majority of people our age who were teenagers have at least had some exposure to right. this. Right, exactly. But yeah, I think... I mean, to be honest, besides that, I don't have much about the film. I think... The film for me is more fun to watch now just to almost poke fun at things. I agree. There is a lot of camera angles that are like shaky cam and facial expressions and just like cringy dialogue Mm -hmm. and scenes that it was like watching it was funny. We recorded our reaction to it. I would just like to share some of my notes. A few things that I wrote down. Charlie just best dad trying to do his best. We love Charlie. Um, I have a note written down about when, um, Becca is looking up legends. There's a legend called Legend of the Slapping Beaver, and I said that's definitely an erotica novel. There is (laughs) a part where I have a direct quote from Hannah. There's a part where Edward is playing some music. It's, uh... Debussy or Debussy? Debussy. Um, Claire DeLune and Hannah said Debussy, to which I responded Claire DePoon. Um, there's also a part where Mike says he looks like he wants to eat you, and Hannah says, quote, he wants to eat Debussy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never laughed harder. <laughs> the only other thing I'd like to bring up is that as bad and angsty as this movie is, the baseball scene is iconic. I thoroughly enjoyed the baseball scene for both the music, the visuals, and just, it was, that's the kind of movie I would like to see. Like, from this franchise, it was the kind of fun visuals from the book, because the baseball scene was just a scene in mm-hmm. the book. Like, it was just a thing that happened. They played baseball, oh, look at them. But in the movie, it, it became its own thing. Alice pitching... That's an iconic scene. Just all everything about it was iconic. That's my positive. That's my Twilight yeah. positive baseball scene. Baseball scene in Charlie. In Charlie, yes. I. It's so interesting. I. I have more to say about Charlie when we get closer to the end. His journey, his whole um, role in the films. Yes. But I just would like to say it's so refreshing to have a dad character who's not just completely clueless and who's actually, like, concerned about his daughter. Yeah, and he's not, like, you know, an exuberant over-the-top. For instance, like, I love uh, Stanley Tucci's role as Olive's dad in Easy A, but, like, he's an eccentric, exuberant, over-the-top kind of role, and I love that. But Charlie is this kind of quiet, reserved police officer, but he clearly cares about Mm -hmm. his daughter. And wants what's best for her. Right. And exactly. we love a we love a respecting, uh, loving father. We do. Okay. So we <laughs> we can't really do best. We can't. We've we decided. Couldn't, we couldn't bring ourselves to do Well, no, we I take that back. We have one best. The only thing we have decided we'd like to pick the best of is the best song. Best song use in the movie. Mm-hmm. So we have that and, and then Okay, so then we have the worst CGI moment. Yes. 
We have the worst vamp moment or vampire moment. Of course. And then we have our favorite quote, but technically some of them I picked were like the worst line. Yeah, I like to think of it as more just lines that I liked for specific reasons. Could be for Twilight, it's <laughs> it's because it's cringy and like funny. Some of them are like, I just liked the way it was delivered, mm-hmm. you know? It, it kind of depends. Movie to movie, it changes. Yes. So, why don't we start with the worst vampire moment? Okay, so my worst vampire moment from this movie is when, right after the baseball scene, James gets a whiff of Bella and is like, you brought a snack, and then they all start hissing at each other. They're like crouching and hissing. That is my worst vampire moment of Twilight. Okay. Mine is every time Edward appears on the screen. (laughs) But specifically him saying that he feels very protective of Bella. Yeah. I, there's a later movie. I didn't put it, but I was literally just going to write Edward existing. Yes. I thought about it though. Okay. What about your worst CGI moment? So my worst CGI moment is the piggyback vampire running where Bella is on Edward's back and they're running through the woods on piggyback. It's just, it's rough. That was my exact CGI moment. So, what was your quote that you chose? (laughs) I had to do Hold On Tight, Spider Monkey. I also picked that as well because it's like, what? It's just, I can't remember if that, I think it was in the books. I think that was a line from the books and it's terrible. It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, God. Let's get into positives. Let's get a positive. End on a positive. You know, best song. I had to go with the baseball i had to go with super massive black hole by muse yes it's just it just amps you up it fits perfectly into that scene yeah and a lot of my songs i picked i feel like really helped the scene move the scene along yeah but i mean honestly twilight has a really good soundtrack in general it's hard hard. it was hard to pick sometimes so i also um picked super massive black hole by muse from the baseball scene i would i gave a close second to flightless bird american mouth was that in the first movie? Yes. It was at the end um, prom scene where they're dancing. Oh. They, okay. re- they use it again. Mm-hmm. It gets used again. But in the first movie, it's used when they're dancing in the gondola at prom. And he's like, I'm going to bite you. Or she's like, bite me. And he's like, not yet. <laughs> and I <laughs> would just wait like to, to s- say that I forgot that song was by Iron and Wine. And I've seen Iron and Wine in concert. Oh. When I was looking at the soundtrack on Spotify, I was like, oh, who sings this song? And I was like, Iron and Wine. And I was like huh, I've seen, I've seen them perform. I don't remember this song being at that concert, but I was like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Fun, fun stuff. Okay, let's fun get fact. into uh, New Moon. New Moon. So New Moon came out in 2009, PG-13, and it was two hours and 10 minutes. It had a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 28% Rotten Tomatoes, and it grossed $712 million. Wow. So this movie, when it came out, it set the domestic box office record as the biggest midnight screening, $26.3 million in one night. Yeah. It's the third highest domestic opening weekend since 2002 at $142 million at that time. At that time, so yes. Obviously not anymore. Yes. And the DVDs, they sold 4 million DVDs in the first weekend it came out. That's insane. Um, so they had a new director for this movie. They did. Uh, Christopher Whites, Whites, I believe. Sure. <laughs> um, he replaced... Catherine Hardwick. Yes. And then um, it did get nominated for like MTV Awards, Teen Choice Awards, but also for Razzie Awards, which yeah. we've mentioned is the worst. Yes. A show for the worst of the worst. Of course. Um, so Taylor Lautner... In this movie, due to having to be physically larger, yeah. they were considering recasting him at some point. Which is, as we learned, they will easily recast yeah. people. And he um, he wanted to keep the part, so he did exclusive weight training and he gained 30 pounds. That's insane. Between, I mean, this there's only a year a between year, movies. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the production, production yeah. and everything. But roughly a year, yeah. Right, so he gained 30 pounds for this movie specifically. Okay. Would you like to provide a summary? Yes. Werewolves, vampires, Charlie, oh my. The tans are extreme, the shirts are off, the abs are out. After Edward dumps and then abandons Bella in the woods, it is up to Jacob 
to come to the rescue? Will Bella find a new love, or will she go right back into the hands of Edward and his toxicity? Toxicity. I would like to share um, a quote that was uh, a direct quote from someone who I was talking to today. This person is a guest of our podcast, Tara. (laughs) She said, quote, The highlight of the entire series is in New Moon when Jacob takes off his shirt. Yeah. I remember being in the movie theaters in grown women, probably in their 40s. We're wooing. We're wooing. Which, as someone who's older now, like, that's a little creepy. He was not that old in those movies. No. He was, I think, underage. He might have been... Or, like, 17, 18. He was right around, yeah, the same age as Kristen Stewart. But, um... I would just like to point out that I never wooed or out-out in a movie theater again because I probably was, like, 14 or 15, so I wasn't doing that. Also, I wouldn't do that anyway. But this movie, it's not bad. Going from Twilight to New Moon is... What did I say? I said... This one is a lot less cringe and a lot more bearable. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely still... The whole Bella being caught up on the fact that she's aging and Edward isn't... Yeah. ...is annoying. And Um, also the the Romeo-Juliet parallels mm -hmm. are bleh. Yeah. The fact that Edward just leaves her in the middle of the woods by herself. Yeah. That is... I still can't believe that... That, that was like a thing that happened mm-hmm. in the books. He was just like, Yeah, I'm I'm dumping you, but also I'm just leaving you in the woods, so like good luck. Yeah. I mean, I think this one's so interesting because I personally think that and I don't know if it's the actors and actresses, but I think that um Bella and Jacob seem more natural together. I have a a note that says, quote she seems way more natural mm-hmm. with Jacob than Edward. It's almost like she feels more comfortable with him. In, in yeah. the book, or the movie perspective, sorry, she has known Jacob. They kind of grew up together. Yeah. And so there is that familiarity as with Edward, they, you know, met later in life. Um, so I don't know if it's that or if it's just, sometimes I think just actors and actresses have, have a little bit chemistry. better chemistry. Yeah, I think their chemistry worked really well in this movie yeah together. and i think going forward there's still times where i'm like you know i think bella and jacob have better chemistry they have more natural chemistry than yeah. her and edward do um and i really like to see their friendship and their kind of relationship it i don't know how i feel about it because at times here's what i'll say bella is pretty upfront with jacob about the fact that she's still in love with edward yeah she is I mean, very clear that she had this horrible heartbreak mm-hmm. with someone that she had this unrequited love for who dumped her, and she has, you know, love for Jacob, but not the way that he wants it to be, you know, a romantic mm-hmm. love. She has, like, a plutonic love for him and really likes spending time with him, but she is not ready or does not want to have a relationship with him. Yeah. And, and she's I, pretty... And, I mean, I do have a lot of respect for the fact that she is very clear about that in this this movie. Right. And I think, specifically this movie, I actually think they have a pretty healthy relationship in terms of, like, talking about stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I respect it for that regard. I still think there's a lot of, like, still not great things happening. And oh, for sure. Again, I would like to point out that Charlie is, like, MVP of this series. Um, he's basically, like, coaches Bella through her heartbreak. He's literally always there for her. Yeah. And I love how... I never realized how big of a part of the story Charlie was. Yeah. But it always comes yeah. back to Charlie. It always comes back to Charlie. He's the one who's like, you need to get out of the house, go see, hang out with your friends, go do something, like, you're done moping. Like, it's right. not, yeah, you've had your time to mope, go live your life. Yeah, but, and it's, you know, it's interesting, um, there's, I love the, like, I love the awkwardness of this movie in the sense, like, specifically, you know, like, the movie theater scene, like, how uncomfortable yeah. that is with Jacob yeah. and, and with Mike, Mike yeah. and Bella, and 
I love Anna Kendrick in this movie. Oh my god, she's great. I love her too. Um, we stand Jessica. Yes, we love Jessica. One other thing I'd like to talk about is a lot of the theme of this book is Bella doing a lot of reckless adrenaline-seeking behavior because it allows her to see this, like, ghost or spirit of Edward Mm -hmm. basically telling her to stop. And I just want to talk about that I totally understand that perspective. I know some people have said it's, like, don't understand or think it's stupid, like, they're writing, but it's a lot of this... It's a way she can feel in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. If she's being reckless, it's she's in control of that, and it allows her to, like... Ha- because she didn't have control over the fact mm-hmm. that Edward left her. Like, she did not have that opportunity to make a decision on that. It was made for her, you right. know? And so I think that's a really interesting perspective that you don't necessarily see a lot, or portrayed in that way, at least. And I, like, I have a lot of respect for that. Um, that that's one of the ways that she deals with that is just taking these risks and doing these things to just like feel something or have that connection feel that connection mm-hmm. that she doesn't have anymore right and i mean you have to remember that she's a teenager exactly yeah she's a teenager and so yeah. things that maybe people who are older now we look back like i look at back on stuff i did when i was a teenager oh, and it's yeah. like what were you thinking right. but that's kind of in your mindset and you know her Basically, Edward is her world, which... Yeah. Blah. She says um, at one point, you're my you're, only reason for quote, living. you're my only reason to stay alive, end quote. That might have been and Edward. I wrote barf. I literally wrote bar- barf, too. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think she's a lot less awkward in this movie. Yes. And I don't know if that was a, a choice made by the film crew because yeah. of the response of the first movie, or if it's just because... She's a bit more comfortable. You know, she's not yeah. the new person in town anymore and everything like that. Right. So, New Moon, not the movie, but the book, this was, my podcast was about right. New Moon. And so I'm very familiar with the source material. Um, it it was my favorite book of the series. I mean, pro- if I had to reread them, it probably would still be my favorite book of the series. And I remember <laughs> the basis of our podcast one of the main things we talked about was the relationships and the aspects of not necessarily like team edward team jacob but we had like three people and i took a perspective on why i think jacob like that relationship works really well in this book Mm -hmm. someone else took the perspective of why edward like why his perspective works well and the third person kind of was like an, a mediator like a lead, yeah. in, in between like a kind of you know and i think that this movie really sets up one of the worst love triangles in the history of teenage romances and i cannot begin to stress how horrible things will become but it starts at the end of this movie yes you get a taste of it and it just gets worse yeah all right let's uh let's do some yeah. best or let's, worst let's do some best and worst because we'll talk about eclipse next and that will be a fucking blast okay um i'm just gonna say my worst cgi was when bella was on the motorcycle and edward kept popping up it was horrible I put the same thing. Where CGI is Ghost Edward showing up when Bella's on the motorcycle. Yeah. It's bad. Um, worst vamp moment. Again, Edward gets it. Uh, when he ditched Bella in the woods. Yeah, I thought about putting that, but I put the scene where Jasper's trying to eat her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not great. Yeah, it's not great. What was your favorite quote? So this one was just, I liked the delivery of it. It's Anna Kendrick as Jessica, and she's, it's after Bella gets on this guy's motorcycle, and she's like, that homeboy could have been a psycho. And just the delivery was so well done. Yeah, I, I did I the same. It. It's, she's like, what, what was, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> she like literally was like, okay, you just like went on a mo- random motorcycle yeah, ride. with a random man. Um, my best song is called Possibility okay. by Likey Lee likely okay. plays during the scene where Bella's sitting in front of the window 
that montage. Yeah, the, where it's like the three or four months right. just showing the passing of time where right. essentially she's just like in this depressive state. Yes, and I, I do, um, I like what it adds to that scene is why I picked it. That was my runner-up. The one I picked, though, is called Hearing Damage by Thom York. Thorm York or something. It's essentially when the humans and werewolves are both hunting Victoria, Victoria. and where um, Harry Clearwater, Henry Clearwater, Harry. Henry, Harry Clearwater dies. I think that the song just adds this tension to the scene that I really liked, and I like wrote a note about when I was watching it. So I I thought that was well done. Yeah. Okay, so that concludes our first episode of our twilight saga we will return with part two and we will continue our discussion and get to our rankings bye bye we would like to thank joseph mcdade for our intro music he provides free music available for all kinds of creative use the song that we used is called sunrise expedition and you can find it and his other music on his website josephmcdade.com if you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.